Well, amen. You can have a seat. My name is Jacob Warren, and I serve as the lead pastor here at Veritas Church, but I serve as uh, a part of a team of other pastors that serve you, along with Josh Murray, uh, Ryan Ross, Joe Gaskin down there, um, and, um, and Kyle McFarland, and Trey Perry. This group of men is a, men, a team of men that serves you, prays for you, loves you, and wants to care for you. But church, it's 2022. How are we doing? We made it through another year, right? You know, 2020, um, my uh, daughter just turned two this morning, Maggie. Uh, she turned two, and uh, she'll be able to look back and say, I was born during the plague, you know? Uh, that she was born during that period of time where everyone, you know, for the first year of her life, she didn't know people had like a lower half to their face. Um, all sorts of odd things going on. But uh, this week together as a church is a special week for us where we're not only just celebrating things like that, but we're celebrating what we think is the vision ahead for us as a church. Uh, next week, we'll be jumping back into the book of Genesis together. But we wanted to take this week and pause, take a moment and consider together and ask this question, where is God calling us to go together in the year ahead? What would Jesus have for us? If you're here and you're new to Veritas Church, um, we're really, really glad that you are here. We hope we can help you see Jesus more clearly. We really hope to uh, see um, um, you get connected here, join the family, uh, become a part of this church, if this church is home for you. And a really easy way that you could do that is by filling out a Connect card at the bottom of this handout. If you've got one of these on the way, home, uh, on the way in, you can tear that thing off, uh, pass it in the give buckets if you're an introvert. Just give you a pass. You fill that thing out. You can throw it in the give bucket on the way by. But if, if you're really uh, excited about getting involved here, you can take that thing to the Connect table after the gathering to be able to connect with someone who helps wants to help you get involved with the community group, wants to welcome you to, into a discipleship group, wants to really be a friend to you and welcome you into this family. And so um, back this past fall, those pastors, those other men that I talked about, we all got together uh, to get away and pray and plan together for the year ahead. Um, we had some really great belly laughs together, as you do. Um, when you put a whole bunch of dudes together in the room, it tends to get a little bit stinkier, you know? Um, and then we had some really great belly laughs because we got together and we played some really funny games, like one called uh, Cards Christians Like. I don't know if you guys have heard this. It's like Cards Against Humanity, except like less of a chance of you sinning actively during the game, you know? But it, it's really funny. My wife bought me like an expansion pack with like Gen Z jokes in it. It's just amazing. Um, but we had a pretty crazy late night run in with some bed bugs on that trip. But after all the fun that we had, we got a lot of work done and we really spent a lot of time thinking and praying about what would God have for us in the year ahead. And this vision statement for 2022 is something that we came up with. Now, if you're here and you're like, wait, I thought we already had a vision statement um, that, that we want to be a church that's for the city and for the military and for the fame of Jesus. Yes, that's true. But a church-wide vision statement like that, a big holistic one, is one that we hope God accomplishes in us over the course of 20, 30, 50 years together as a church, developing the, something that's true and core to our identity that God has made us a church that's for the city. That's truly for the military and for the fame of Jesus in all things. And so that takes a long time to see come to fruition. Uh, but we need these short-term, yearly vision statements like this uh, in order to say 
Here's what the game plan's gonna be for the year ahead. This is the play that we're gonna run together as a team. Uh, maybe you've uh, seen a sports team play before. Maybe you've seen like a football game. Most of us have. People line up on the scrimmage line, right? And it's really easy to tell when something goes wrong um, because in football, um, everything stops, you know, the time stops, and then it, when they start the play again, if something goes wrong, it's pretty easy to tell because you're watching everything that's going on. In other sports, it's not that easy to tell. In basketball, I don't even know how to run a set play in basketball at all. Like, I, I just somehow magically, the good guy who can shoot gets the ball and puts it in the hoop. Or in soccer, I'm completely hopeless. I mean, I heard a joke this past week of a guy in a podcast calling it communist kickball, and so I thought that was absolutely hilarious, but I have no idea how to actually run plays in soccer. It just like, looks like people running in random directions until somebody does like a cartwheel kick into the goal, and that's how they make like, goals in soccer. I have no idea. So back to real football for a second. In American football, when you're lined up on the line, right, you call the play, and everybody gets to the line of the scrimmage, but if everyone isn't in on the play, you can tell it pretty quick. People start running in different directions. Nobody knows where the ball is. Maybe nothing bad happens. Maybe recover the ball at the line of scrimmage, but nothing good happened in that. See, this is what it's like of having a plan together. Uh, see, when it comes to being in a family, everything is better with a plan. We just walk through the holidays. You know this. Everything's better with a plan. You've got to communicate, over-communicate. We just walk through Christmas. As an adult, it's way harder. At Christmas time, as an adult, and as a kid, the kid, you just show up places and open up presents. As an adult, you've got to communicate. You've got to have a family calendar. You've got to be like in coordination with other family members, trying to figure out what we're going to buy and where we're going to be and how much we're going to spend and all the things my goodness, everything is better with a plan. And we as a church, we are a family. So we have to have a plan. So this is where this vision statement comes in. This vision statement is that play that we're going to, go, play, that we're going to run together. So in that, this past fall, when the elders considered what direction Jesus might be leading us to go in the year ahead, we prayed through a lot of different things, but we eventually landed on this vision statement for 2022 that's up on the screen. Our vision for 2022 is to build a culture of discipleship that's marked by relational ownership and rooted in biblical literacy. Now, that sounds like a pretty great vision statement, right? Well, you know, if we know the play, why don't we just pray right now and just get out there and do it? No, probably not the best thing for us to do. See, the more important than having a clear or winsome or uh, like a measurable type of vision statement is that that vision statement flows out of what we see in God's word. It should flow out of what Jesus has already called us to together, the mission that he's already sent the church on that we've been trying to run for the past 2,000 years. This, this vision, this mission of, uh, that Jesus sent his church on to go make disciples, to go love God, love people, and advance the gospel. So like every other week that I pray in the history of Veritas, you're going to hear these words said on a Sunday morning. Go ahead and grab your Bibles and meet me in Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, verse 42, and we're going to see where this vision flows out of. If you don't have a Bible, um, there's some black hardback Bibles at the back of the room back there. If you grabbed one on the way in, man, we're really glad that you did. If you don't own a Bible, consider that Bible our gift to you this morning. And uh, we just want you to keep it, consider it your own, and read it, hopefully, with someone else. 
Acts is in the New Testament near the back of the Bible. If you're new to the Bible, it's in the back part right after the Gospel of John. And then where we're picking up in this story in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, is um, this, I'll kind of set the scene for us, right? So Jesus, he's lived, he's died, he's resurrected from the dead, he's shown his power over death, he's shown that he really is the God-man, and after he's flexed on death, after he's shown that he is the God who made this, this world that we live in, he's given his disciples a command. He tells them to go everywhere, tell everyone the good news, but to wait. Wait for the power of the Holy Spirit. Then the Holy Spirit done, does come. It descends upon the disciples. They start proclaiming the word of God. Peter stands up and preaches an okay sermon, and 3,000 people come to faith in Jesus. They believe and were baptized right there on the spot. And so we pick up this account after 3,000 people have just come to faith in Jesus. And this is what we read in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. I'll read it aloud for us. And they, full number of the disciples, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. See, this passage communicates many things for us. There's, I think, four big movements in this small section of Scripture, and we're going to talk through three of those things at length. Uh, the, 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 the three things that the church is actively described as doing here as, is their unified devotion, their unified generosity, and their unified joy. Um, and we'll get to those things in a minute, but I, what I want us to see most clearly and, and, and first and foremost is that fourth, fourth point, that they were unified by God. Look again at verse 47 with me. The Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. See, the same is true in the church today and for the entire church for all time. See, salvation and unity in the church is God's work alone. Salvation and unity within the entire church, this local church other churches here in Fayetteville, global churches around the world, and the entire church for all time, salvation and unity belong to the Lord. Those are things that he can only do. See, this is the simplicity and beauty of the gospel, that God saves sinners like us. See, in the person and work of Jesus, we see the very heart of God on display for us. We, we learn maybe that God isn't a cosmic genie up in the sky granting our wishes. He, he isn't an angry judge who just wants to crush you like a bug or cast lightning bolts at you like some Greek god. And God certainly isn't an absent father who set the universe spinning and just checked out. No, God has for all time been actively involved in his creation. 
God for all time has been invested with his people who he has made and set as the crowning pinnacle of all of creation, humanity, appointed to rule and cultivate his world. God has endowed each and every person, each and every image bearer that he has appointed to to bear his image as a human with immeasurable value and dignity and worth. But sadly, we as humans have spent much of our time working against the will of our Creator, throwing it back in His face, if we will, finding new and surprising ways to not only ignore God, but to bring death into His good world. See, God has shown us, though, the links that He would go to rescue and redeem His world. If you've been with us through the fall in this past year, we've walked through Genesis and we've seen God, time and time again, coming to his broken humanity, coming to this broken creation, not giving up on his people and pursuing, bringing renewal, bringing new life, and bringing new life out of situations that look like death. But through Jesus, God would come and rescue and redeem this world himself. He would take on human flesh, be born into a humble family, and walk among us. See, Jesus taught us, as only God himself could, could, and showed through his miracles and way of life that he really was the one who was going to reverse the curse of death that we brought into this world. He is the true God-man. See, Jesus was crucified like a common criminal in his day and buried in a borrowed tomb, but he would rise again and show his victory and rule over all of creation like he said he would and would change everything. No longer would those of us in this room and outside of it be separated from one another, divided by our sin and divided by our differences. In defeating death, Jesus ripped down the dividing wall of hostility that stood between every people group on the planet. It is now under the rule of King Jesus that all peoples from all ethnicities, nations, languages, tribes are brought together by his blood and saved by his name. And this is where we find ourselves in Acts chapter 2. Is this not what we just witnessed? The nations are gathered here in Jerusalem. They hear the words of the Lord proclaimed, and 3,000 of them come to faith in Jesus. This is the church being formed, and Jesus himself is the reason why the church experienced this unified devotion, this unified generosity, and this unified joy. So now let's walk back through that passage and quickly talk through these things for a minute before we move into how we see how this informs our vision for 2022. Quickly, look at verse 42 again. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers, And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. Notice what they devoted themselves to there. They devoted themselves to the teaching of the apostles. What would this would have meant? This was the teachings about Jesus, how Jesus was the fulfillment of all the Old Testament prophecies, how Jesus was the one who had come to reverse the curse. They were building a gospel community where they shared these truths Not just in a Sunday morning gathering like this, where the apostles would do authoritative teaching like this. They were building communities where they were sharing the gospel with one another. They were devoting themselves to these teaching and they're sharing them with each other all the time. 
Second, look, they devoted themselves to each other. They were really invested with one another. They cared about one another. That word fellowship means that they took seriously their membership in the body of Christ. They had a depth of relationship where they just weren't not just around one another for an hour and 20 minutes on a Sunday morning. They had real depth of friendship. Like they cared about one another. They knew each other's likes and dislikes. They were committed to one another and seeing one another see Jesus in every area of their life. They were committed church partners, if you will, like here we have at Veritas. Thirdly, they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread and the prayers. This, this, this would mean, most likely, and this corresponds to the early church gatherings, where they would observe communion and they would pray prayers like the Lord's Prayer with one another, where they memorized these things and shared them in community. Because guess what? In the early church, they didn't have one of these. They couldn't just hold up a Bible and say, hey, everybody, let's look at this verse together. No, they memorized these things orally. They had to, someone had to take it and play telephone game with passages of Scripture, remembering and retelling the stories of Jesus, the things that he did, the miraculous things he did, the way in which he engaged the world. Unlike any other person that's ever lived, they shared these things with one another and they were investing relationally with one another. They took attending these gatherings like this on a Sunday morning, really seriously, because this was what they were going to do. They were going to take the stuff that they learned here and share it with someone else during the week, reminding one another the good news of the gospel and the way that really does change everything. Second, we see their unified generosity. Let's look again at verse 44. See, God was doing signs and wonders among the hands of the apostles, but maybe one of the more miraculous things that happens happens in verse 44 and 45. I'll read these verses again. All who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need, and day by day attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. See, the breaking of bread that happened earlier was referencing communion in a gathering like this. This breaking together, bread together in their homes, this is just normal meals. Like they just had potlucks. They just hung out with one another. They, they met around and had deep conversations around each other's dinner tables. And this generosity that marked them was twofold. Material generosity and relational generosity. See, beyond the spiritual ownership, that they, they took care of each other's uh, practical and financial needs too. Just think about the, uh, the early church, the, the, the diversity of the people that made up the early church. In other places in Acts, we're told of, of a, a church plant that got started with Paul, uh, a slave girl that was previously possessed by a demon and her master, and then another woman who was like filthy rich and like had a reputation in the city. That was their core team of church planting. Is that You want to go join that church? You want to go be a part of that team? Like, let's do it for the fame of Jesus. Man, I don't know. That seems a little risky. It doesn't sound like the best like, idea. But guess what? That church flourished and grew and became a good, healthy, gospel-centered community. It's amazing what Jesus can do with willing vessels who have really been changed by the good news of the gospel. And that, that type of financial ownership, could you imagine the types of debts that would become forgiven in that society between slaves and their masters, even like what Kyle preached on a couple weeks ago? being restored to one another as brothers and sisters, whereas previously, the day before, they treated each other shamefully as servants and slaves. 
This is the type of gospel community that Jesus was producing in this early church and what he wants to do in and through us. See, remember this point in history, too, that meals were not a guaranteed thing. You couldn't count on just being able to go down to, you know, BJ's or Sam's Club and buy in bulk whatever you want. Like, you couldn't even count on there being, like, meat in stock because it's not that time of year yet. We've not killed the fatted calf yet, right? You could just run by Bojangles and pick up some chicken tenders. No, in order to be able to, to have food at this time period, there was this mutual caring and sharing back and forth where these people actually took care of one another. And beyond that, there was a relational generosity where these people really lived life alongside of one another, and they were generous with their time. Lastly, we see this unified joy. Look again at verse 46 and the second part of that. It says they received their food with glad and generous hearts. They were praising God and having favor with all the people. This early church had a unified joy. They gave up lesser interests. They're giving their stuff away. They're sharing their money. They're sharing everything in their life, especially their calendar, and it produced a profound gladness and joy and generosity in their own hearts. Let's be honest, guys. When I hear this passage of Scripture, and often when I hear it referenced and read aloud, there's two things, or two kind of de facto responses that I can have in my own heart. The first is, man, that sounds amazing. But me and our church family, would we ever be able to achieve all that? And why would we even try? I mean, just, this seems like the bar is set so high. I mean, we're just going to, if, if I'm a part of it, I'm a messed up, messed up broken sinner. I'm going to screw it up anyways, even if all you guys get it right. Or the other response is, man, geez, I desperately so want to see God do that. But what if I go all in? What if I start giving up? What if I start re- investing relationally, you know, with my stuff and my time? And what if no one goes with me? What if my community group, what if the, the people surrounding me in this church don't go with me in that, and I just end up looking like a fool, and they leave me high and dry. Now, before we get all discouraged and all Eeyore about all this stuff, right, I think what we, can, what we need to do is be reminded of what verse 47 says again. Let's look at it one more time. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Church, who added to their number day by day. The Lord. The Lord added to their number day by day. Who kept saving? God did. Who kept sustaining them in their faithfulness? God did. God did by the power of the Spirit that Jesus said was going to lead us into all truth. The one whom Jesus said that we'd be clothed with power from on high. That very Spirit of God who raised Jesus Christ from the dead is alive and well and can produce a faithfulness in us that we cannot dream of accomplishing in and of ourselves. I've been convicted as I've been preparing for this sermon that I've often spent way too much time telling you about my own inadequacies and focusing on our own inadequacies and not enough time talking about God's power made perfect in our weaknesses. That God really truly is powerful. God can and will do much in and through us and always will through his church. See, last year, in, in 2021, 
Our main vision and focus as a church was to see a culture of care and health established in our church. And by the grace of God, we were able to see ideas take shape. We were able to see leaders step up and see ministries established within this church to actually do that. This past year, we launched Men and Women's Care, where we have leaders right now waiting. If you have a need, if you need somebody to just walk alongside of you because you're in a hard season and point you to Jesus, we got a group of men and women trained and ready to do that with you. I couldn't be more happy about that. Second, we've really doubled down on military care. We are a church, and a lot of us here are affiliated with the military. You have unique needs that we need to serve you in. Because whether you're going to deploy, your spouse is going to deploy, your kids need a specific area of attention, or shoot, you just need a date night, y'all. We want to serve you in those ways, and we double down to make sure that those areas are taken care of within our church. And the pastors of this church are organizing and continuing to refine our process for how we do partner care, where we not only pray for you, but we tell you and ask you ways in which we can love and serve you more directly together as a church. See, we, we get together at the beginning of every one of our elder meetings, and we pray through the partner list. We have an organized list that we're developing right now in order to better do partner care for each of you who, who are saying, like, hey, I'm in here at Veritas Church. I've become a partner. I've signed in to covenant membership. I'm in. Let's lock arms and go and advance the gospel together. We want to care for you really, really well, and by God's grace, we've seen that happen. And just in my own sphere of life in the church, in my community group and the friends that I know, I've seen Jesus do incredible things. I've had and seen friends in recovery from addiction. I've seen marriages move from health towards, towards health and restoration. I've seen emotional healing start to take place in the lives of my friends where, where there's friendship and safe places to engage have emerged. And I've seen close friends of mine come to faith in Jesus this past year. God is still at work. God is moving even in ways that we can't see. And we need to focus on this, that resurrection life is, is breaking into the reality of death due our sin, and nothing can stop it. Nothing can stop it. Church, our weaknesses can't stop this resurrection life from breaking in. Not our failings, not COVID, not persecution, not anything can stop King Jesus from bringing true life in the gospel in and through his church. And you know what happens when we see Jesus accomplishing these incredible things in each other's lives? It produces joy in us like the early church. Real, Christ-exalting joy. Real joy. So what's the game plan for the year ahead? Where do we go from here? We're going to focus on building a culture of discipleship, exactly what King Jesus told us to do, and it's going to take every single one of us to do it. Remember with us uh, what you've heard, if you've been in the church for any length of time, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. It'll come up on the screens for us. Jesus came and said to them, the church, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. And then Jesus says this, go, you go. Therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. One of the ways that we remind 
ourselves of this mission. You've heard it a bunch of times you've been here at Veritas. At the end of every single gathering, what do we say? You, church, you're sent, empowered by the Spirit of God to go love God, love people, and advance the gospel. Let's go be the church. We say that intentionally every single week because we want you to feel sent. Because you are. Jesus has already sent you, whether you feel like it or not. If you've been saved by his grace, you have been sent on his mission. There's no way to opt out on that and say, I'm going to leave that to the professional Christians. No, all of us are that. There are no professional Christians. We're all on this team together, and it takes all of us if we're going to see the gospel advance. See, our prayer is that over time that God would shape us into a church that really is for the city, for the military, and for the fame of Jesus. With that big of a vision, we prayerfully have considered this vision together again. Here it is again, one more time. Our vision for 2022 is to build a culture of discipleship marked by that relational ownership that we saw in the early church and rooted in biblical literacy. Here's what I mean by relational ownership. Real friendship. Over the course of your life, I think one of the greatest measurables in your life of saying like, hey, what have I done with the time that God has given me here on this earth? I think one of the things that you could do is go back through the course of your life and mark who are real friends in your life. Real friends that have helped you see Jesus, that have been with you through hard circumstances, that have really been like stuck around to, 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 to walk with you through the, the mess and the muck and messiness of life. This is what we want to see mark discipleship here at Veritas. And we're way less concerned with having some polished up program. Look, y'all, if, if there was a program that we could run to just make all this thing run real smooth, I think the church would have figured it out over the past 2,000 years, right? We would have like shined that thing up and just like, here we go, let's do the thing again, right? Like we figured it all out. No, it really is all about, we need, we want, we need real friendships here in the church among people who are committed to one another and committed to see one another follow Jesus. Real places where you can know others and be known. See, see, one of our church values as a church is community. It's the whole reason why we do community groups together as a church. Now, now if you're completely brand new on community groups, here's what you can expect out of a community group. It's a group of folks that gather together in the middle of the week normally. They open up the Bible they pray, sometimes they share a meal. We, get no, we, we know one another, we want to take care of one each other's needs. We want to be friends with one another. We want to invest with one another. That's what it's all about. That's the game plan and part of the game plan of what Jesus has established in his church. See, when you have these new opportunities to develop new relationships in your life with folks that are far from Jesus, you need people backing you up if you're going to be in it to win it with those folks and not just be relationally drowned and drained all the time. So here's a couple practical notes on relational ownership for how you can walk this out in your life. The first thing is swallow your pride and be known. One of the biggest barriers for you experiencing life and vitality in Jesus and real friendship in this church is actually swallowing your pride and being really known. And I'm not saying 
fully known by all people at all the time. There is such a thing as overshare. You know who you are, you know? Tone it down, you know? That could be me sometimes, so I know, I know. But for the majority of us, right, we're just a, just one of those clamshells. Never be able to pry us open. How you doing? Yeah, I'm fine. How you doing? Yeah, I'm okay. You know, it's just, it's never, you never open up. And what builds up inside of that is your wounds and the things that are really eating at you. They're going to come out sideways somewhere else. There's going to be sin patterns that develop. There is going to be ways that you explode in anger that you didn't see coming. There are going to be ways in which you just feel completely alone. And Jesus is gently in and through his church saying, come to me, be known. What be welcomed into this family of followers of Jesus where you can experience vitality and health. Second, deep friendships don't happen overnight. If you want to experience this relational ownership, it's going to take some time. You're going to have to have some awkward conversations before you can have some deep ones. Like, don't give up, follower of Jesus here. Don't give up in that hard relationship that you're like, man, I, I think this is the guy that Jesus is calling me to just go in on and with. You know what I mean? I, I feel like relationships that, uh, of, among like 30-something adult men's is kind of like middle school dating. You got to kind of pass the note and be like, will you be my friend? Will you read the Bible with me? You know? Honestly, I had to have that conversation a couple years ago. Me and Josh Murray, one of the pastors here at Veritas, we have a great relationship where we get together at least once a week and read the Bible and pray together, and that's it. And we're known with one another, share how we're doing, and that took years to cultivate. That took a lot of time. It took an awkward conversation being like, hey, can we hang out and just read the Bible? And that was a little awkward. It was a little risky, right? But the last thing I wanted to ask you is make that ask. You're going to have to risk a little bit here if you don't have this type of relationship in your life. Final thing I want us to, to, to take a look at with this vision statement is to, that we desire to be rooted in biblical literacy. See, we believe, like the believers in Acts 2, devoted themselves to the teaching of the Bible, that we want to root ourselves in the story of the Bible. One of the ways that we want to do that is this past week, we passed out one of these to every single one of you, and we put one on every single seat. If you didn't get one of these Bible reading plans, you can get one at the Connect table after the gathering. We want to read the Bible together and be marked by the Bible. Veritas Church, I want us to be a Bible people who are formed by the story of the Bible and not just know it in our heads, but are continually having our hearts shaped by it. See, the thing that's formative about Bible reading is not that you do it and check off the box. It's that God changes you as you meet him in his word. Again and again and again, wash yourself over the rocks of Scripture. You're going to be formed by it. You're going to be shaped by it. And I could rattle off a bunch of different resources to help you read the Bible better, like the Bible Project stuff and all of that, and getting a, a, a journaling Bible. I was talking with a friend about that before the gathering. All those things are great, but the, most, the biggest thing that's changed me in, in being biblically formed and biblically rooted and bi having biblical literacy is reading the Bible together with another person. It's rooting it in that relational intimacy. See, this, this belief that our discipleship should be rooted in biblical literacy is why we structure our community groups the way that we do. Why? This week, we're going to be talking about Acts chapter 2. In our Bible, in our community groups. And after that, when we get, jump back into Genesis, 
I am I'm expectant for what God is going to do for us as we commit our, ourselves to these things. And the final thing I want to leave you with this morning is I just want to dream a little before we close. Next weekend, uh, we're going to be launching 40 days of prayer together as a church. And these 40 days of prayer are going to be centered around three different things. One, a church home. Two, holiness, our own personal holiness, and having our hope rooted in our eternal hope in Christ. These 40 days of prayer, yes, we'll have a focus on praying that God would provide us a church building, like a permanent home for Veritas. But more than that, the church isn't a building. It never has been. It's always been the people. The church is the people. See, ultimately, our hope isn't in a building. It's solely in Jesus. We believe that God is sovereignly here and placed us in this city to see it flourish. Can we dream a little, church? Imagine a church body that's devoted to Jesus, devoted to his scriptures, devoted to, to one another with, with such a radical generosity. That there, we don't even know what like, unmet needs are within the church. Where it's at, a, at the drop of a hat, well, yes, I'll go do that thing that you need. Yes, I'll, I'd love to serve you in that way. Yes, I'd love to give of my time. Yes, I'd love to help you uh, uh, help invest in your marriage. Help you learn how to better parent your kids. To come alongside of you in your brokenness, in your addiction, in your hurt, in your wounds. Imagine a church community where we serve one another in those ways where we hold the, the needs of others higher than our own, and in so doing, walk in the footsteps of our Savior who walked before us, who did not count his quality with God as a thing to be grasped, but gave himself up. He became human. He humbled himself, became human, was humbled even to the point of death, crucifixion on a cross, so that he and his name will be the name above all names. Every knee in here in this church and every knee in Fayetteville and the United States and around the world is going to bow one day and confess that Jesus is Lord. Imagine a church community that is centered around the truth of the gospel so much and saturated in it that this discipleship that we want to see happen within the church is just a natural thing that comes easy among these followers of Jesus for our families, for our marriages, for, for all of us here in this room uniting together to see Jesus made much of. God, may we pray and long and hope and dream big dreams to see that image, that grand image of Jesus ruling and reigning be true. Let me pray that it would. Lord Jesus, again, we could have all the best plans we have all the best programs, we have all the best things to say and ways to do it, but God, if you do not come, and by your Spirit, bring about real change, enliven hearts to the truth of the gospel and the goodness that it would bring, we are hopeless. Like Paul would say that we among all peoples are to be pitied if there is no resurrection from the dead, God. 
may we believe that it's true. God, may we be sold out for you, Jesus, in ways that cause us to reevaluate the rhythms and patterns in our life and see how we might better be equipped, encouraged, and see ourselves as sent to our jobs, to our families, to the people in life who don't follow you, Lord Jesus. God, may we beg you to change hearts. May we beg you and continually ask you to see you made much of. God, would you really do create this culture of discipleship where we love one another well and we meet you in your word. God, only you can do that. Only you can accomplish this. We pray all of this, Jesus, in your name.